Like a deer in the headlights or gum in your hair, what got you here will not get you there. Join us as business owners get unstuck in real time on the business building struggles we all share. Welcome to the Business Breakthrough Podcast. And here's your host, Esty Rand. Welcome to episode 58 of the Business Breakthrough Podcast. I have been waiting for this guest to come on the show for a while, and I'm so excited to welcome Miran Kirikosian. Miran, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You got that name down. Perfect. Thank you. (laughs) I'm trying. I'm trying. So guys, Miran is widely known for his extensive work with Britney Spears, Madonna, Ricky Martin, and many more. And he served as an assistant choreographer, artistic director for NBC's popular show, The Voice. He built a brand that consists of his own YouTube channel. And as the content creator of Miran TV, his usually popular YouTube channel has over one and a half million subscribers worldwide. In March of 2019, he opened the doors to his own production company, Dance Studio, Miran K Studios, located in Burbank, California. And we will put all of the links in the show notes at the end so you can check it out. And if you're in Cali like me, um, let's meet there because I'm totally coming. Miran, I'm so excited for you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I can't wait to hear the story because when we spoke briefly a while ago, the studio was still a dream and now yes. it's a reality, which is so exciting. So yes. tell us a little bit about this journey, you know, from celebrity choreographer to YouTube star. Now you've got your own brick and mortar. Like, where did this start from? How'd you get into dancing to begin with? All right. Oh, here we go. <laughs> so um, just to start it off, my dad was a dancer choreographer back home in Armenia. Uh, so we're, we're going back all the way to the eighties now. Um, I grew up in 85. Um, I really started dancing more when uh, my family moved to America. So we moved here in 1992. That was when uh, a couple of years before when Armenia was part of the Soviet Union and, uh, Soviet Union had collapsed. So Armenia became an independent country. So at that point, uh, we were kind of like on our own every, we had to like, uh, pretty much every money you had in the bank just disappeared and you had to start all over again because you're a new country now. You print your own money and your own currency. So uh, once that happened, you know, it was uh, the, the, the two years that I really remember when I was like more five, six years old. It was a lot of like no electricity and no water and like everything was given to you by time. So we had water from like 7 a.m. to like 9 a.m. So you would have to save water for shower, for washing dishes, for washing clothes. And we would, you know, put candles out for lights and sit down in the living room. So it was a lot of that that I remember, but I don't want to make it sound like it was difficult times because I was a little kid and my parents always made me feel like there was nothing wrong. So it just was our norm, you know? So I don't, I don't remember being traumatized or anything like that because it was that crazy. I just thought it was normal. <laughs> so it was perfectly fine, but obviously it wasn't normal. So then my family sold our house for seven tickets to America. So wow. we pretty much, yeah, we pretty much exchanged our house for seven tickets and we moved out here. My, my father had um, uh, his um, uncles that were already here for a couple of years and they had been living here. So when we came in, we moved in with them for the first six months to a year until my dad got <clears throat> figured out what he was going to do and get a job and he decided that hey you know I'm a dancer I'm a choreographer I used to do that back home I'm just gonna open up a studio here as well um they told him it was a bad idea 
no one's going to dance and, you know, get a normal job and all of that stuff that you would usually hear when uh, you have some type of artistic, you know, uh, talent and everybody doesn't really take that serious. But um, well, not not nowadays, but, you know, back in the no, 80s. No, in the 90s and yeah. 80s, for sure. It was always doctor, lawyer, this, this, that, or something <clears throat> where you needed a certificate for. But, um, um, yeah, but my dad went ahead and just followed his passion and, and opened up a local studio where a lot of just local, like, Armenian kids came and Russian kids and people that kind of knew us and knew the community. And um, little by little, it just started becoming a dance. And that's where I started dancing. My, me and my brother, my dad just took us along with him. It was a way to spend some time with my father, but at the same time, you know, learn dance. Um, I never really took it serious. I did have fun. I'm not going to lie. You know, was, you know, you're there. I was there, you know, three, four hours a day with my dad and just dancing and with other kids and having fun. Um, so that started at the age of seven. And I kept dancing and doing, you know, my little imitations of Michael Jackson, which is a big, big part of my life. And one of the reasons why I became a professional dancer and a performer. Um, and um, all the way till 12, 13, I was dancing with my dad. And then at the age of 13, um, in high school, I joined an after school activity called a theater workshop, which was a class um, that focused not only on uh, drama and things like that but it was more like acting dancing anything that you would have to learn on stage was part of that class it was a very rare class to have in high school because a lot of other high schools just had drama class so ours was a little bit more special um the teacher's name was kevin kane who became a big uh art teacher in ucla now and, and opened up a department over there but um i started with him and my passion kind of started there at the age of 13 where i was like okay, I want to, I want to do this for real. Like I want to be a professional dancer. And when, when that kind of clicked and I knew that's what I wanted to do, everything started not mattering anymore. Like, uh, my, well, well my uh, grades dropped, which, <laughs> which kind of like when I was a really good student, I would get B's and A's, maybe a few C's. And then that dramatically went to C's and D's and F's and things like that. But that was only cause I kind of just felt like I knew what I wanted to do now. Like I had a passion for dance. I, I, I was convinced I'm doing this professionally. I was convinced that this is what I'm going to do. And I would just only focus on that. Like I would just dance day and night. I, you, anywhere you catch me, I was dancing at the store, at the supermarket, anywhere. I heard music. I was moving. I started getting involved in more classes, taking classes. I asked my dad to take me to different, you know, to Millennium at the time, which was one and one of the only hottest studios at that time was I think Millennium, Debbie Reynolds, The Edge were like the three main studios at that time. Now you can probably find a hundred in, in just in the NoHo area, but probably. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, just really, really passionately like had convinced myself that I'm going to be a professional dancer. And I remember one of the performances I was watching at that time on, M on the MTV Music Awards was that Britney Spears in sync mashup performance they had, I think it was the 98 VMAs. When I saw that performance, I was like, all right, I got to be one of those dancers. I was like, that was just my dream. Um, and that was it. Like, I was just really convinced everything from that point on was all about dance. I, you know, I started hanging out, hanging out less with my friends, uh, doing, you know, not doing my normal activities of just like playing and doing, it was just, everything was dance, 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 dance. I was really, really focused. And um, by the time I was 15, 16, I got, you know, I got introduced to a few people and uh, was able to do a few like gigs here and there. 
And then um, a few agents saw me and um, I went to an agency meeting around the age of 16, 17. Uh, I think it was 16 with my dad. They told me to write down, uh, the agency told me to write down a few names on a piece of paper of artists that I wanted to dance for. So I was like Britney Spears, Michael Jackson. I put all down all the names of people that I, you know, looked up to. And, uh, and that was kind of it. And then I went to, you know, I did a, a few commercials. I think I did like this back to school Mervyn's commercial when I was 16, JCPenney, all of those like back to school fun dance commercials that would happen <laughs> back in the days. And then I went and auditioned for Britney Spears at the age of 17, which was my dream job. And this one audition, I, I always remember like it was yesterday because it was such a special moment for me. Like one, I just couldn't sleep all night because uh, I wanted to go so bad. Second, I didn't tell anybody that I was going because I just didn't want to be distracted by anything. I had, a, you know, uh, my girlfriend at the time, I, you know, she was like, so what are you going to do? And, and I, I didn't want to talk to her and I didn't want to do anything. She was like, what do you mean you don't want to talk to me? What do you mean you can't call me for a week? And I was like, listen, it's like I have something really, really special that I have to do for myself. I don't want to be distracted. I don't want to talk to anyone. I was like, if you believe in me and you trust me, like, you got to leave me alone for a week. Uh, and same with my parents. I didn't tell them anything. I just got up that morning. Audition was at 10 a.m. I was there like 8 a.m. in front of the door by myself. Nobody was there. I was the first person to sign my name on the list. And it was like a three, four day audition. And I went through it. And every time I made the next cut, I kept telling myself, all right, we're, we're going to get this. We're going to get this. I don't know why I was so confident that I was going to get it, but there was something about it that I just wanted it so bad. I can't really even explain it. It was such a weird feeling, and I was willing to do anything to get it. And um, I kept working, kept working, and then we were. it was the last day of the audition. I think it was like 30 or 40 of us left. And um, this is when Britney Spears came in. Now she's going to, like, watch us and – you know, we're going to kind of stand next to her so they could see who, who looks good with her and which dancers look good with who. And then once we got to the top eight and they were like, OK, you guys are the dancers. And, and I was one of the dancers. And it was the most surreal moment of my life because I started crying from like, you know, because I always saw people cry when they're happy, but I never understood that. It's like, why are you crying? Yeah, I was like, bro, wow. why are you crying? You're like, you're supposed to be happy. But I literally started crying. It was like the first time I experienced tears of joy. And and it was just the most surreal moment to have to see this artist from her first single of Baby One More Time, to watch her on TV. And remember, I come from a country where you don't really see celebrities and things like that. You just see them in a TV in this box where you don't even believe they exist. You know, they, you just think they're people in this, this they're box. They pretend. They live in yeah, the box. Exactly. So for me to like live that and then come here and then have this dream and then watch them on MTV and then go to an audition and then literally have all these dreams of dancing with her. And then two, three weeks later, I'm in rehearsal with her, just like Bernie Spears and me were just rehearsing. And now I'm on stage with her. And it was just, it was just crazy. And that's kind of where my career started. And then from there, you know, just led to other uh, tours with other artists like Madonna and Ricky Martin and uh, doing a bunch of TV shows and commercials and movies. And just, that's kind of where the dream started going from. But yeah, that so moment cool. was the most craziest moment, though. I always, you know, when I remember it, it's just, it's just like when, when they say, like, dreams coming true. Like, that was literally a dream as a little boy to, like, be on stage with her. Like, at that time when she was the biggest pop star in the world, it was, 
and then to be like on stage it was i don't know it's crazy <laughs> that is so cool. crazy even when i talk about it, even though like i've done so many things but like it's, it's just like that dream of like you know, making your dream come true is just, the, is just the craziest feeling. I don't know. For sure. And it sounds like there was such a single mindedness, you know, I'm sure you're not the first 13 year old to decide that he's going to be a professional dancer, but you're one of very few who was so single minded about it. And we're just like, no, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do everything I need in order to be there. And every opportunity that came your way, you jumped on it and, and you got it. Yeah. And there is such a reality, right? When they say like, you know, dreams come true, it, it's not an automatic, but it is a possibility, right? If you mm -hmm. dream it and you work for it and you take opportunities that come your way and you stay focused and you don't give up after the first or second or third thing that isn't exactly what you wanted, um, you get there. I love, I love that. That is such a cool beginning. Did you end up staying in school or were you like, Hey, I danced for Britney Spears. No, I dropped out. At, <laughs> I dropped out at 17. Um, I, you know, I would go to these like weekend school stuff to make up credits. And it's just, I just was not interested at all, at all to, in school. Um, I just felt like I just knew what I wanted to do in life. I just kind of like, I had it figured out. And I remember my teachers in high school saying, but what's plan B? And what if it doesn't work out? And I was like, no, nah, there is no plan B. I was like, this is it. Like, this is what we're doing. Totally. And there's what to be said for that. Like, there is what to be said. There is no plan B. There is only plan A, which means That's plan it. A has to work. There is no other it option. Is. Yes. And, and I say that a lot now to a lot of people I talk about to, that have a plan B, you know, and, and I, I just tell them like plan B is just a distraction from plan A. Like, you know what I mean? Like if you're already setting yourself for plan B, like how, how full are you going to go on plan A? You know what I mean? Like you're already not going full. You've already got a plan B. So it's like, you know, for me, I think it's, it's that do or die type of thing. Like you have to put yourself in a position where it's do or die. And when it's do or die, you figure it out, you know what I mean? Totally. Or you die, you know? So it's like, All right. sink or swim. Exactly. So you swim or you sink. <laughs> like those exactly. are your options. Literally. Yeah. I, I, I think for anything you do, and it doesn't have to be, you know, my example, I mean, anything you want to do in life, you know, if you position yourself like that and you tell yourself like it's sink or swim, I mean, you'll figure out some ways to swim. You know what I mean? Like, and, and I think everybody needs to put themselves in a position. If they're really passionate about something, they really want it bad enough, they'll figure it out. I mean, they always do. I mean, that's why winners win and losers lose. You know what I mean? Like, they figure it out. And, totally. and one of the other things that, and that's the most important that I've learned maybe later in my journey, because in the beginning, I was very young and naive, and I didn't understand as much. But as I grew up, one of the other things I noticed that helped me along with business and more things that we'll talk about in a little bit is to never quit. You know what I mean? Because people yeah. forget they, 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 they set these limitations on themselves or these time frames of like, okay, I'm going to give myself two years. And no, you know what I mean? Like you can, because it always takes longer than you think, one. Second, it's, it's, it's if you don't quit, you win pretty much. And, 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 and I think that's one of the things I learned later because I had started a lot of businesses where I gave myself time frames. All right, I'm going to do this for three years. Or I'm going to do this for two years. And then I quit. And then I quit this. And then I quit that. And then later on with YouTube and things like that was when I was like, all right, I'm going to do this for a very long time. And I know if I do it consistently for a very long time, you know, it'll probably work out. And that's why all the stuff that I've been moving forward on now and at an older age are all coming together is because there is no quit option. It's like, okay, we're going to keep moving. We're going to keep moving. And then we're going to figure it out. We're going to improve. We're going to get better. We're going to have obstacles, but there's no quitting. There's no stopping, you know? 
And when I, once I understood that, things got a little bit more easier. It's not easier in the sense of like moving forward, not that it's easier, but you know. No, it's easier because I, there's always hope because there isn't like a, oh, yeah. it isn't working. It's like, it's gonna work. The, the internal language changes. There's a exactly. great line by Napoleon Hill in Think and Grow Rich. Mm -hmm. um, uh, winners never quit and quitters never win. Exactly. Very simple. Like that, yeah. that is just what it is. Um, so tell me about the later business. So I get that you were a dancer, but then you moved into choreographer and then YouTube star. So like, how did that, at what point were you like, okay, I really know how to dance, but I know how to also make dances. Well, I was, um, as a dancer, I was always choreographing as well. And that's something I learned from my dad because my dad was a choreographer. So he showed me and, and I, by just watching him, I learned you know, how he created and how he put dances together and how he created formations and these type of stuff. So I got to see it in firsthand. And then once I worked with, um, once I got on tour with Britney Spears and Madonna, I got to work with some of the best choreographers and directors like Jamie King and Rich and Tone. And, you know, th these people you're watching like firsthand, it's not going to, you're not going to have better school than that. You know, I mean, you could, I could go to college for dance for hundreds of years. I will never learn the stuff totally. I learned on tour with Madonna in six months. So um, yeah, I mean, I got to work with some amazing people. So that was always in me and I always wanted to try. So I was constantly creating, um, the transition from dancer choreographer happened when I came to a point where I felt like I had accomplished everything I wanted as a dancer. And I'm one of those people that I'm always like, what's the next step? You know, like, okay, I got it. I love to dance, but eventually the dance was a passion, a passion as a little boy. And then it, it became this dream that I had accomplished. And then that dream became a business because now we're making money and it, it kind of starts changing, right? In, in the beginning, I would do anything for free just to dance, but now you're getting paid and now it's like, you know, money gets involved and things start getting tricky and, you, you know, and sometimes you're getting paid what you deserve and sometimes you're not. And then you're like, why am I not getting, you know, so it just turns into a business. And then that's where it gets a little tricky. You have to be able to understand the business aspect of it, but not let it to take away too much from why you started in the first place, which was your passion. And you want to continue to do it because you love it and not because you're doing it for the money. Um, but again, it came to a point where I felt like I had accomplished as much as I wanted as a dancer and I wanted to try other things. And the next level up I felt like was I wanted to choreograph and maybe put my visions together and, and my ideas on, you know, other bodies and other dancers and, and create that. And I got an opportunity to assist, you know, some great choreographers and, and, and other people to get a, a, get a good head start. And then after that, you know, I got a lot of jobs on my own. Um, I got to work with Nickelodeon for a good couple of two years where I was doing a lot of their um, choreography for their shows like uh, Fresh Beat Band and Victorious, which Ariana Grande was part of. And, and now look at where she's at now. Um, You're like, and, Ari, I remember you when you were little. <laughs> oh, yeah, she's, she was so cute, though. We were, we were really good friends. Um, we've spent some, we spent some cool times together. I, I was actually at her Sweet 16 <laughs> at Paramount that she had. So it was really cool to see her from that stage to where she is now, of course. Um, but, yeah, I got to do a lot of stuff like that. And, um, and then it led to the YouTube thing. But the YouTube thing only started because... I started, I started seeing the transition in the entertainment business from, uh, you know, just your regular commercials, TV and tours to this thing called social media. And now it's like a whole different world. You know, it's not even close to what I was doing. So 
I was, you know, I was looking up some stuff on YouTube and I was starting to see a lot of up and coming dancers and choreographers that were getting a lot, a lot of attention on YouTube and they didn't have nowhere near the credits that I had as a professional dancer. But, you know, people watching YouTube don't know that. So it's like, I was kind of starting to get really, really hard on myself. Like, wait, why is this person getting all this credit? And they're just making videos on YouTube. And I've danced for Madonna and I've danced for Britney and I've danced for, you know, Ricky and I've danced for Rihanna and da 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 And I'm not able to book this job or da 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 So I was in this weird transitional period of like going from that TV commercial dancer to like everything that I'm seeing on social media. And I didn't really understand what was going on. But once I saw like everything that was happening in social media, it was I think in March, March or no, April, 2016, I was like, okay, I'm gonna open up my own channel. Well, I had the channel before, but it was just there where I would just upload a video once a year or something, a reel that I wanted to show somebody or something like that. I never thought of it as a TV, my own channel type of thing. Um, but and then I also saw what was going on with all the, 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 the makeup artist stuff that was happening with all these makeup artists. Anybody and their mama was becoming a makeup artist through YouTube. <laughs> and, and they were just killing it. I can like, put on mascara. Here's yeah. my eyeballs. Zoom and, in. and millions of <laughs> subscribers, you know. But, you know, you don't understand it. But, you know, you have all these young kids and, and, and young girls and, and they're all on YouTube all the time. So if that's what they're watching. That's where the attention is. Mm -hmm. You know, and you know, where the attention when, goes, the money flows. Exactly. So, April 2016, I was like, all right, I'm going to get on YouTube. I'm going to make consistent videos. And at this time, my YouTube channel probably already had like 25, 30,000 subscribers because I had done some videos before, like I had released once a year. And one of them actually did really well. Um, and it's still actually my most viewed video. It has a close to 38 million views. Um, that is so yeah. many. I'm like, I'm trying to even just wrap my brain around that many people. Right. <laughs> so many people. Yeah. So. But so what that, were you uploading then? Like, I was just uploading. Then? You just like no, put up like whatever. Just cool dance videos. Like I shot a cool dance video with my students that I was teaching at the time. They weren't even professional dancers. I just was a cool concept, cool video. Um, it was like this whole camouflage theme, army kind of thing. I was a, we did it to that, that power song with Justin Bieber and Will I Am. And I just uploaded it. I don't know. I just put it on YouTube because people put videos on YouTube. So hey. I just put it up there and it, you know, it was kind of doing this thing little by little, but and then I guess it fell in some playlists and stuff that it got shared and boom, it was just kept going like millions of views. And I was getting subscribers from that, from that, but I still didn't understand how to use it or why I'm getting subscribers or what do they expect from me? Why are they even subscribing? So, but I got a head start of like a good 20,000, 25,000 subscribers. But <clears throat> once I saw other people doing it and understood like the, the tutorial like sections of stuff and this and this and that, I mean, Dance On, which was a network which is a dance network um, on YouTube and Instagram and stuff. They had approached me in 2011. This was like 80 years ago and asking me to, and I did a video with them for their channel. Um, they had asked me to do tutorials and things like that. And again, like at that time I didn't see the vision. I was like, who's going to learn stuff on YouTube. I was like, <laughs> people are just going to be like dancing in their room. I'm like, I'm like, it's a stupid <laughs> idea. <laughs> I'm like, 
I'm like, I, I don't want to. Yeah, I was like, I don't want to. Who do would it. ever want to carry a computer in their yeah, pocket? Exactly. Like, I was like, that? computers are at the office. Yeah, pockets are for hands. Like, sorry, but that's that's where my mind was at the time. I love and, it, and you I know, didn't do that's it. Everything that's that's everything until it becomes. And of course, now instead, if I started in 2011, it's like 2016. We'll be here talking about maybe 10 million subscribers or something, but. I didn't, and I started in 2016, and I started with one video a week, and I wasn't making tutorials yet either. I was just doing dance videos because I still was not sure about the tutorials yet. Um, and then um, once I got comfortable with once a week, I was like, okay, I could do more. I was like, let's do twice a week. So I started making videos twice a week, and then somehow, some way, I convinced myself to do a tutorial, <laughs> and I was like, all right, I'm going to do a tutorial now. I started doing some tutorials and the tutorials really started taking off. Like people were really like, Oh, I love this. Now I can learn stuff on YouTube and, and all these stuff. And I started doing some basic stuff too, because I was like, you know what, let me start doing some simple stuff. Cause something clicked. I was like, cause I was watching a lot of tutorials and it was hard to learn. And I felt like these people who were teaching the dance tutorials, they, I felt like they were teaching it to other dancers, not to people who can't really dance. So I was like, okay, let me make it more basic. And the funniest thing, I made this video called Three Simple Moves for Beginners. Um, you can look it up. <laughs> it's already got like 18, 19 million views. Um, it's the most easiest thing. I literally do like a touch step and like a slide. And I don't know what I do. It's, it's, it's just for a dancer, it's funny. But to know that it has 19 million views now or something, and it's, one, like, it's the one video that everyone's like, oh my God, thank you, you're God. And like, I, I have two left feet and now I could, you know, I could do this. And I'm like, all right, I guess I just need to do some basic stuff. Cause I'm like, I guess, you know, half of the world can't really dance. You know what I mean? I was like, and, and since I'm surrounded by all dancers, so I'm thinking everybody could dance. Uh, so yeah, I just started making all types of tutorials and the tutorials really like really, really click, you know? And, um, and a lot of my tutorials all have millions and millions of views. And and another thing I, I noticed on YouTube is I've been teaching since I was 17, 18 years old. I started teaching at Millennium as well at 17 years old. So I've been teaching for a really long time since I was young. But all the comments I would get on YouTube were, you're such a great teacher. You take your time. You're so patient. You're this. And then I was like, it's like, wait, maybe I am a good teacher. Because <laughs> I never knew I was a good teacher until everybody started saying I'm a really, really good teacher. And I guess that just came from my experience of teaching for such a long time but I had never really put it on camera. And then the way I teach on camera is kind of exactly how I teach in class. Like I, I'm really patient. I really take my time. I actually repeat the steps like 10 times for people to really like learn it. And, and everybody would write that on the comment box. They'll be like, oh, you're so, you're so patient. You're so this. Or like I used to watch other tutorials. I would have to rewind the video a hundred times because I never got the steps. And I think those two things really clicked on my channel. One was uh, the the time and effort I put into my tutorials, which was like really taking my time, making sure that they learn the steps. I'm not just showing them the steps. I was really teaching them the steps, one. And second, the fact that I had such a long experience of teaching, you know, that actually you could see that on, t on, on camera and you could see that on my tutorials compared to somebody who's just trying to teach a move and they have no teaching experience. So those two things really clicked on my channel. And, and, and I think that's where a lot of my views started coming from and a lot of my subscribers. Um, my dance videos have done really well too, but I, I think it was, it's definitely been the tutorials that pushed my channel to like another level. And even now I feel like when I put up videos, my tutorials always get more views. 
Um, and unless it's like a really popular song type of dance video that everyone's jamming to and, and then those will go into millions as well. But the tutorials always do well. So, and that's kind of how it started. I went, you know, one video a week, two video a week. I went to a point where I was doing three videos a week. I actually went to a point where I was doing five videos a week, Monday, it's Tuesday, so Wednesday, intense. Thursday, Friday. Yeah. And then but I, I want to understand back. the mechanics behind this. There's like a, there's a couple elements that I'd love if you could kind of like break down for me and mm -hmm. all these awesome listeners. There's a ton of money that it must cost you. The, there's professional videography. Like I checked out your channel. So cool guys. You definitely have to check this yeah. out, especially if you want to learn how to dance like really well from an awesome teacher. You have professional videography. You're in a professional studio. You've got videography. There's video editing. There's the music. There's that costs money. Yes. So you're investing in this and then there's YouTube strategy. Like there's an understanding of the SEO behind it and the tags and how you name the videos and how you do the thumbnails. Like, I guess I have two questions. I'll ask them one at a time. One, how were you willing to invest all this money and what was your plan to recoup it? <clears throat> well, first, I mean, also remember, I, I come from a professional background, so I don't know anything less than that. So everything I do has to look good. So I, you know, I understand lighting. I edit all my videos. Uh, so you I, edit them still? Yes, yes. Still. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, I have another friend that I, another um, business partner that I brought in and he's been helping me edit the tutorial parts of it because the tutorials are a little bit more easier. It's just to kind of chop this part out and things like that. But as far as the dance videos, since it's my creative, I have to edit it because no one's going to see my vision the way I see it. So I edit all the dance videos. Um, and even now, I mean, I, I edit 75, 80% of, of my videos. Wow. Um, what program do you use? Premiere Pro. Okay. Yeah. Adobe, right? Yes. And, and before I didn't do that, but my brother, my brother, who's also a director as well, he used to edit my videos, but what, you know, when he was editing my videos, I was working on his time, not my, not on my time. And when you're trying to do three, four five videos a day, you can't work on somebody else's time. You got to work on crazy. your time. So I was like, bro, you got to teach me how to edit. I'm like, I can't, I can't work on your time anymore. So he showed me the basics of the program and things like that. And then once you get the hang of it, you know, you roll with it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I didn't know anything less. So I knew a little bit about lighting. So I knew that I had to have good lighting. Um, I knew that I wanted it to look really professional. So my content could live on YouTube for a long time, because I know like, you know, if you shoot it on iPhone or whatever, six months later, you got the new iPhone and the camera is even better. So I didn't want my content to die too early. So I knew if I shot on professional cameras, it could have a long, you know, lasting life on YouTube, whether that's seven years, 10 years. So I went and bought a, you know, a really expensive Canon camera that was like four or $5,000. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I decided that I'm going to shoot on that. You know, I went and bought lights, you know, spent a couple of thousand dollars on lights and, um, some extra like, um, tripods and this and that, whatever I felt like and I you're needed. you're shooting um, three angles every time. How many angles are you shooting? Mm -hmm. Uh, well, I just shoot with one camera, so okay. um, I'll maybe um, I'll shoot it, and then if I want to like focus on the feet or whatever, then we'll take it out and then do a couple of other shots on the feet, and then maybe shots from the angles, uh, or for the dance videos. Again, I shoot with one camera, but I'll do maybe five, six takes, and then chop it up and edit like you know the best sections of the video and things like that. How um, come? Why not have multiple cameras shooting at the same time? I would just have to buy three five thousand oh, dollars. <laughs> that's another ten to investment. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Uh, eventually, I will because it will save me more time. But since I'm so good at editing, the way I edit, you wouldn't know that I shot it on one camera because 
the way I not talk. Not at all. I just yeah. assumed you had three. That yeah, no. Assumption was that you have to have at least three going over there. Yeah. No, but I mean, eventually I would. But if you're shooting on these expensive cameras, then you would need three of those cameras. You know what I mean? Right. Because if you shoot it on a different camera, then the colors are different and all the quality, these, the quality is different. Yeah. So yeah, I did invest my money, but I invested it in the sense of like, this is my business. And, and the way I look at it, and, and I'll, tell you, I'll tell you one thing, like a lot of times I'll jump into things and, and buy all these things because I know it benefits my business, maybe without even the mindset of like, how am I going to get this money back? Sometimes I don't think about that at all. Um, I, I kind of just think long-term, like I'm all about my business and like going back to what I was talking about when I was super young, you, from 13 or whatever, you saw how passionate I was about what I wanted to do. So for me, it's like, I always think of it this way. Okay, that's $5,000 that I'm spending on myself, on my business, or do I want to spend that $5,000 at a club getting bottles or hanging out with some, you know what I mean? Like, you got to look at it that way. Now, there's people who want to do different things. If people want to go out every weekend and want to have a great time and that's where their money gets spent on, then cool, do you, you know what I mean? But for me, I, I literally care less about all of that. So for me, it's like my $5,000 is going into me, my business, and whatever, my vision and my creation. And even if it's my last dollar, and I have to either eat or buy that equipment, maybe I'll split it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> you feel well, me? So mindedness. It's, it's yeah. For me, it's all about the business. Part of you. And, 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 and I, honestly, I wish I was like that even younger because when I was younger, I, w I didn't really have that mentality too much. I was still working hard to impress other people. I was still trying to look the part. I was still spending, you know, uh, money on things that I didn't need because I thought I needed it to be cool or, you know what I mean? So you go through that phase. Um, I wish I didn't have to go through that phase because if I didn't, I would have spent all my money at a very young age on myself and on my, on my business, you know? But now as I'm getting older, I'm actually working backwards. I'm like, every money I make, I'm like, I'm putting that thing back into the business because I want to grow fast. I feel, I almost feel like I lost years, uh, you know, throughout that time where I was like, trying to fit in and I was trying to da -da -da -da, play that role that everybody plays, you know? And, and now as I'm getting older and, 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 and I, I feel like, damn, I could have been a little bit more closer to where I want to be, or I should be a couple of more levels than I'm at now. And I know this cause I know I'm capable of it. So now I'm all like, all right, every dollar that comes in goes back into the business. Every money that I make, like boom, boom, everything is going back into the business. Cause now I feel like I got to make up for those foolish years of spending money on BS stuff when I didn't have to, you know? Right. Well, what's the business model of YouTube? Like where, and I think a lot of people don't understand this. Um, when you have a YouTube channel, right? It's free content. Yeah. Nobody pays you for putting it up there. Nobody pays YouTube to watch it unless they pay for, for premium content, which your average yeah. person can't get. So where's the business model? Like how is YouTube being a YouTube star, a business. So there's two ways to look at it. The one way where everybody kind of gets fooled, they see maybe the three, four, five, six YouTubers who are making millions of dollars and everybody thinks that's going to be them. So that's, that's probably the worst thing. I think thing every 12-year-old today, like you were yeah. like, I'm going to be famous. Every 12-year-old today is going, I'm going to be a millionaire YouTube star. Yeah. Exactly. I'm going to so, go and I'm going to make videos picking my nose and exactly. then I'm going to literally, and then I'm going to be a multimillionaire. So yeah. So let's be realistic because there's maybe about, I don't know, out of the, I don't know, thousands of, or maybe hundred thousands of channels that exist, maybe hundred people or maybe 80 or 70 people are making millions of dollars 
only off of monetization, maybe not even like brand deals and things like that. This is just monetization off monetization of monetization, meaning ads. Ads, yeah, they run ads on their videos that they own the full content of as far as audio and video, and they're able to monetize that for for the money. You know what I mean? For ad revenue. Uh, yes, and exactly. That's mainstream YouTube. Like so when someone like me is sitting there and it's going, um, you can skip this ad in four seconds. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. Or they can set their channel where you can't skip the ad, or they put it in the middle where exactly. you're watching something and it's like, and that. And yeah, then like, or even the yeah. little pop-ups that pop up and you could just click X. All, or, of, all of that is just... Right, because it's television. Like, I grew yeah. up with the TV. These are yeah. commercials. That's exactly what they are. They're just their pre-roll or they're in mid-roll. Exactly. Like, I mean, exactly. So, like, what? When YouTube first started running these ads, everybody was like, oh, I'm not going to watch YouTube anymore. Now I got to watch ads. But, you know... It's, they totally it's, are. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> it. Is. That's how TV was and that's how YouTube is. And it's going to be even more of that because YouTube is the new TV, you know? So totally. that's all you're going to But I've see. heard that but, it's very little. Like you, like your average person, like when someone watches an ad on someone's channel, like, oh, they're making so much money. What do they make? Like a couple cents? It depends. So also the ad revenue and, and what you make also comes from what countries watch it. So for example, I have a, yes, I have a big fan base in India. Um, a lot of people watch my content in India, especially the dance stuff, because obviously India is huge in dance, right? Bollywood oh, and everything yeah. is about dance. So for them, da dance comes first and then singing and acting. And like over there, if you're a dancer, you're the star. And then if you're a singer, you're like an okay star. You know what I mean? So that's why all their I hear, And in America, it's like actor, singer, dancer. Exactly. So over there, it's dancer first and then everything else. Oh, wow. So, that is interesting. So and that's one of the reasons why my channel did so well with them as well. Because the training, you don't want to be dancers. Exactly. In America, you had like a basic acting channel. People could learn to be an actor. Exactly. Oh, that's so, so cool. I love yeah. stuff. Okay. So yeah, so they, that's why I have a big, big following on my channel. Now, I don't make as much money on monetization as like somebody who's in the States and has an American audience because the ad revenue from America is almost like, I don't know, like 30 times more than you would get from India. Oh, wow. So even though I might have millions of views, somebody who's getting millions of views from an audience that's based just in America can maybe make like 30, 40, 50,000 off of monetization. And then somebody who's getting um, three, four, five, six, 10 million views from countries like India or other third world countries and stuff might only get three, four, five thousand dollars. Eric, so like a, yeah, it's like a huge difference. So People don't know that though, because when people just see millions of views, they think you're you're killing it. You know what I mean? But you uh, know, so that's one thing. But <clears throat> again, the second way you use YouTube is you got to think of YouTube as like your channel, right? So whether you're the business or you have a business, um, it's your brand. So everything you want to represent, you can represent on this channel. So. Like for me, I, I kind of look at it both ways. One, yes, I use it for monetization and, and, and try to monetize my videos through the ad revenues and make as much as money as I can through that since I own most of my content except the dance videos because I'm dancing to music that I don't own. Um, and so how does that work? If you're dancing music you don't own, do you have to pay royalties? You don't pay royalties, but all, let's say, for example, that power that I said, I have 38 million views, right? So mm -hmm. that, that video must have made over a hundred thousand something dollars, right? But I didn't get a cent from that. The publishers of that song company got it. No so, way. Yeah. So even though there's ads Meaning running, you put out your video, they made hundred thousand dollars. Yes. No. Why do you think they allow us to use the music? Because they get the money for it. But you own the dance. 
Yeah, so this is where we're, we're still not that advanced with YouTube yet. Like literally two, three weeks ago, they just added a new thing on YouTube called video monetization, as in the visual. So now... Meaning until now, it's the, it was the audio monetization? Until now, it was all audio. So I could, I've shot the content. I maybe spent $5,000 to shoot this amazing content, like you said, with my equipment, with my camera, with my lighting, with my dancers, with my everything. I don't get a cent. And you're literally paying $100,000 to this company. Exactly. Oh, YouTube well, is. I'm not YouTube is. You're not. You don't have to. Yeah. You don't pay them. But they're yeah. just sitting around. Right. They're from, like, yeah, from, use our music. Have fun, everybody. Go make your video. Exactly. So this is where, again, like, even though YouTube has been around probably, what, over 10 years or something, but we're still, it's every, we're still learning. We're, st they're still growing. Right. YouTube. And it was all audio. So now yeah. you add something for I mean, video where you can also, is it a split revenue? It's going to be some type of split revenue, but even that it's like the beginning phases of it. I don't even know what it is right now. I'm just clicking on it to see what happens. Right. You're uh, like, we'll try this. Yeah, better exactly. Than the other one. I, I, I still need to spend an hour to just sit back and go to my old videos and click those because I've done so many videos. Because it's new now, you can go yeah. backwards and maybe this 38 million yeah. video that keeps racking up. Well, that I don't have. See, that's another thing. So I talked to like, exactly. So right now I'm going back to like the videos that, I've created that I have, that I own the content to, um, that I could cl click on visual content ID. So for example, like if you take one of my tutorials, which a lot of people do, and you put it on your YouTube channel, just to put it up there for other people. Right. And I, ha I had to manually find that you did that in order to block you no. or try to monetize it. But now I could click on my visual content ID. And if you do that, and let's say your channel people watch my video on your channel, then I will collect the monetization for it. And but, before this, if someone else shared your video, they get the money and you don't. Yeah. So you do a dance, pay thousands of dollars. Unless I manually the found song it. gets the money. Yes. You do a dance, you pay thousands of dollars and whoever shares the video, I'm feeling a scam. Right? Yes and no, but again, it's not like- Not really, but like it's- yeah. it's, but yeah, again, that, that's not just. Yeah, no, of course it's not. But again, we're still it's still in this it's process. It's not infancy as a, as a yeah. business. But also, really? again, but you also got to remember, like the way the, the way we also use our YouTube channel. What happens is, for example, I put out a cool dance video on J Balvin Mihente. Um, it has, I think, about like two million views now, or something like that. Again, I didn't get any of the money. <clears throat> J Bal Balvin's publishers or whoever owns that music got the money for it. But what happens, the, another way I use YouTube for business is when I put out that video, somebody from another record label contacted me and said, hey, we really love that video you shot. We have an artist releasing a song. Can you shoot a video like that for us? And uh, now and that became a business. Now they pay me. Those videos. Create, they pay me to create a, a video for their artist, for their song, to put it up on my channel. So they're buying my audience and they're buying the production for me to shoot something on that song. And they're paying me upfront for it. So nice. now that was another way to make it. Another thing that happened with that video, I wake up in the morning, I check my messages and, and I get a voicemail saying, hi, um, uh, we're calling from uh, Beyonce Knowles uh, management. And then I'm like, <laughs> okay. So they had seen that J Balvin video and Beyonce did a remix to that video. I'm sorry, to that song with J Balvin. So they wanted to take all these videos from YouTube and mash up all the dance videos and make it the official video for the Beyonce remix. But cool. even then, they didn't want to pay either. 
even right. though it's Beyonce, but they know they could get it for free, so why pay? They can they get just, it free because it's Beyonce. They're like, listen, you get to say Beyonce next to your own name. That's exa payment. Exactly. <laughs> so anyway, long story short, you know, I gave them my written consent for them to use the, the, the video. So they ended up taking chops of my video and putting it in their video. So now it's part of the official video. Um, but anyway. Cool. And you get, you're in the credits and you get to say featured on the Beyonce Exactly. Channel. So yeah. So, I mean, there's different ways, you know, like it's at this point, you're building a brand. So um, for me, it's, it's all about the brand. Like I have other businesses, like I just opened up my studio and, you know, we have, you know, I, I, I teach classes and I, I shoot for other people. I create content for other people. I create content for myself. So all of these things that I'm doing also live on okay, my channel. So it's always, brand. yeah, it's so all creating uh, videos you do for people. That's a business in and of itself. It's video. Exactly. Production. Exactly. Choreography is another business of itself. Dance teaching. And now you exactly. Now that I mean, I'm coming to Burbank. I'm totally coming. You should. I, yeah. I wouldn't have just come if I had no idea who you were. Um, my drive to Burbank, but totally coming now. So that that'll fill up the studio as well. Yes. Yeah, so from exactly. So now people see me on YouTube and they're like, you know, 1.5 million subscribers and this and this and that. They're coming to my studio. You get it? It's 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 just the way of your building your brand. Um, totally. But the reason why we got the studio now was not only to, to have my ongoing classes, but to also build the production and build the channel because eventually I want my channel to become the type of channel on YouTube that will be releasing uh, a, vi a video every day, if not five, six, 10 videos every day. I oh, wanted wow. to, I wanted to become a network. I wanted to become a Netflix. I wanted to become a channel. So since I know how to create the content, I could start hiring more people to come in and work. And then I'll bring in other instruct instructors into the, into the uh, studio and now I could create content from them and I could create content for this person and, and that can live on my channel. And now we're doing tutorials for ballroom. We're doing tutorials for salsa. We're doing tutorials for ba ballet. We're doing hip hop. I hear. And like, this is your dance. That's tutorial. the big picture. That's, That's the big picture. And that content you own. Exactly. The tutorial content's all yours. Exactly. You license the music, so yeah. you don't have to pay them. Yeah. I hear it. And what about brand deals? Do brand deals come in here? Yes, brand deals come in too. I've done stuff with DJI. They contacted me. They were releasing their new um, DJI Spark drone. So we did a deal with them and, and I shot a cool little dance video featuring the drone. So we did that. We've done some stuff with some watch companies. I did this thing with Arnie Care a couple of months ago. So they reach out and, and, and we work out deals. And, and if they want some type of dance commercial type of ad for, for themselves or something to live on my channel, you know, we collaborate and, and we do something like that. Um, and that would, you know, that would be more things to do in the future. Like, like I said, as I have my own place now and I could create content, I work on my own time and, and we could do whatever we want. This is what the big picture is going to be. It's going to be a big full on facility where we create content for other people. We create content for the channel and it's going to be a whole TV channel with its own place. And, you know, that's the goal. I mean, we got there in two it. and a half years, three years. So that's amazing. I mean, yeah. So we got a lot of work to do. <laughs> so if I were to break it down, I would say, based on what you're saying, YouTube monetization comes from about three places. There's the smallest place is those ad clicks, right? Unless mm -hmm. you're super lucky to have millions and millions of views in the US, right? When yes. you, someone sees a video and they're like, you know, 58 million views. Like, you don't know if most of those are in India and they're not getting that much money. Like, you have exactly. no idea. Exactly. So that's one and that's very often the smallest one. And then the next one is brand marketing right? Or mm -hmm. brand deals where someone yep. comes and they pay you in order to hit up your audience, whether it's yep. to make the video, which is kind of an added thing, um, but more just like you're advertising. 
right? Mm -hmm. that, that's all it is. It's like when you watch a video and it's like, and I want to thank our sponsor today, blah, blah, exactly. blah. You know, or it's just being part of the video. Like this is yeah. shot with this cool camera and you're, you're making the commercial. Exactly. And then the third piece is where you kind of take that off of YouTube and you use it to generate business for other businesses, whether like for you, it's doing the videos for other people mm -hmm. or it's putting people into the studio um, and all that kind of stuff. And that's kind of yeah. the three. And well, also then. like not only the brand deals, but like even the music stuff that I said, like a lot of record companies reach out now because they know that dance is so big now and the way they want to share a new artist coming out or a new song coming out With is through dance channels. So they know like if they, you know, have a budget set um, and they could spend that budget on a bunch of like really dope choreographers that are living on YouTube that all have millions of subscribers. Now they pay five, six, you know, choreographers to create content for them. And each, each dancer choreographer has over millions of subscribers. They just, you know, invested 10, Genius. $20, $30,000 and they got millions and millions and millions of audience for that, which would have cost them millions of dollars to do 10, 20 years ago. For sure. You know? And it's super targeted. And that's what influencer <laughs> marketing is. People misunderstand influencer marketing. Mm -hmm. That is influencer marketing. Exactly. <laughs> it's, and, it's the modern day equivalent of celebrity endorsement, but so much more focused. Yeah. And again, like, like I said, we're still in the beginning, beginning stages of everything on YouTube and Instagram and all these things. So some people don't even really know how to price themselves. We're not at, we're not at a place where there's SAG rates and after rates and we're not there yet. And eventually maybe we will be on social media where there's set rates, you know, that you have totally. to follow. But at this point, you know, big businesses are very clever. They could sometimes they don't even care about the content. They care more about the audience, right? So they totally. can reach out. They and that's all they out, really care about. Exactly. They could pick <laughs> out, they could pick out um, hundred people on Instagram that have over hundred thousand uh, followers, let's say, and they just reach out to all hundred of them and say, Hey, we want you to do this. How much would it cost? Or how much do you charge? You know, somebody, since nobody knows what the hell to charge, everybody kind of prices themselves. So they reach out to somebody like me who understands the business and, and has been working for a really long time in the commercial and TV world and now in social media, I might be like a couple of thousand dollars. And then they might ask this young kid from Arkansas or something that just started his channel and all of a sudden has 100,000 followers somehow. And he, they're like, we'll give you $100 and a free t-shirt. He's like, hell yeah, let's do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, exactly. Like, they, they don't know. So like, totally. and, and they just reach out to everyone and they get 10 kids like that. They just bought a million audience for like 100 bucks and a t-shirt. It's you know crazy. I mean? Totally. And um, guys, just for all of you listening, right? SAG AFTRA, that's the Screen Actors Guild, American Association. Mm -hmm. I forgot all the things, but that standardizes rates for actors and performers. Um, and, and it's true. There's nothing like that for influencers. And I, I agree with you. Within the next five years, we'll probably see yeah, we're still, like that, some so, kind of unionization of where people do band together. Um, but it's, it's going to be a lot harder, though, I think, because it is multinational, right? You're across countries across nationalities across currencies um like sag is here it's in la it's based out of yeah. la it's based out of central hollywood the internet is inherently decentralized so i yeah. think that's going to be very interesting I, my guess is you're going to have pockets you're going to first have like unionization pockets where, where different people kind of gather whether by platform or by industry or by community um but i i do agree that there will there will become something. Do you see, like, what's the range that you see? So, like, at the low end, it's 100 bucks in a T-shirt. Um, and I know a couple influencers who they're totally free, again, depending on the brand, um, will come to them and be like, they're, they're just so happy to look like they're selling something and look yeah. like they're making yeah, money. They're um, and sometimes that is worth it. Just like, you know, where they're like, hey, we're, we're Beyonce and you get to put your name on this. And you're like, 
Okay. <laughs> well, again, it just depends from your experience and what you've been doing. Like I've been doing this for a really long time. So like, it's not that exciting to me, whether it's Beyonce or anybody else. Like at the end of the day, I know what they're doing and I know they're using this for their music video. Right, and, and it's worth it for you. Yeah. And there's no but again, I, and all of that. again, exactly. But I still did it because, okay, I really didn't have to do anything. They just wanted to use content that I had already shot, already edited. I, all I had to do was just give it to them, you know? And mm -hmm. at that point, yeah, I made a decision with like, okay, whatever. It's Beyonce. I'll be cool to be in her video. It's cool for my brand. People will see it and they'll be like, oh, Miron's video's in it. You know what I mean? Like, for you sure. just got to look and at that, the bigger picture. And that's picture. the trade-off. Business exactly. is an exchange of value for value. I always say that. And sometimes that value is cash and sometimes it's not. There's yeah. other types of value, exposure, name recognition, brand, totally. So my other question is, what can you tell us about kind of the inner workings of, of YouTube that people need to know? Like, I get, okay, I'm going to layer that in two questions because I, I like to always ask the questions that I know my audience is trying to ask because I know you know YouTube like you said it's still so new and it's such a black box for so many people I actually spent this past summer around the time that we were a little after we were introduced even I had an intern for the summer her entire job for the whole summer was just to help me develop YouTube strategy I had her doing a ton of research watching tutorials reading articles um, looking through everything and, and working on strategy and when we finished I was like Oh, this is so complicated. We are not doing this right now. Yeah. So, um, and a lot of people go, they're like, I think I'll just like make a YouTube channel. And I'm like, that's cute. They're like, it's the same yeah. voice. They say like, I'll be a famous blogger and Amazon seller. I could do that in like yeah. an hour a day, right? I'm like, yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. sure. <laughs> um, so there's two parts I think to YouTube. It's the actual video creation that, that people need to understand, like what these videos need to be like. But then there's the whole YouTube is owned by Google. It's primarily an SEO platform. So. I'm not even sure where to start. I guess, can we start with content? What do people need to know about the content creation? Do they have to invest in $20,000 worth of equipment? Um, like, what do they need to know if they want to do real content creation? I mean, honestly, it just really comes down to like being creative and, um, and just what, what you're bringing to the table. If you're entertaining, if you're, you know what I mean? Because I, I honestly can't say that the, the quality matters because you, could, you see people shooting on their iPhones that have millions of views and you, you see people shooting professionally that have millions of views. So it really is what you're bringing to the, to the table. You know, I think the content is the most important thing. Like I never really got into too many strategies or anything like that. I just thought that if I create content that people want to see or it's something that it's educational or something that they learn from, they benefit from. I know like when I go on YouTube, it's always something that I'm, what am I getting in return? If I'm, if, I, if I'm just being entertained, I get it. I just skip through a bunch of like entertaining videos and then I'm done. But you know, I watch a lot of motivational stuff. I watch a lot of business channels and things like that. Like one of the ones that I watch is Gary Vee all the time. So like with him, it's like, I go there because I know his content is always good. I go there because I know every time I watch one of his videos or one of his talks, I get something out of it, whether it motivates me or whatever, whether he gives me some new strategy to try or something. So that's why I go. I could care less about his thumbnail. I could care less about you know how they edited that video uh, if they got creative and he could care less from what he says he doesn't even watch his videos his team just does it and they put it up there because he trusts them already you know so at the end of the day i feel like if the content is good it's something that you're going to benefit from people are going to like they're going to watch you're going to entertain them or you're going to teach them something it'll start doing its own thing because when i when i started making my videos i didn't have any strategy my strategy was to make cool dance videos and and some tutorials that I thought would be helpful. 
I had, you know, I didn't know much about tags. I, I mean, I tagged because everybody tags. So just bun, write a bunch of words that are related to your whatever content <laughs> you're, you're putting it on. You know what I mean? Like, that's pretty much it. The rest, like, you got to let it do its own thing. And the audience will let you know if it's good or it's bad. I mean, they love to leave a comment. So, you know, leave it up to them and they'll, and they'll tell you, you know. And is how there much anything you have to say in your videos? Like I've seen a lot of, you know, professional YouTubers, if you will, like, okay, guys, now subscribe in the comments and let me know. I mean, I, I do a very little of that. It's just not my personality. Remember, like I said, I come from such a different background. I'm right. not, like, I don't even consider myself as a YouTuber. I'm not like totally. that. YouTuber is like a joke. It's like a person who like got an I just create, I just create a good content and I just, it's a platform that I put it on. I mean, just simple as that. You know what I mean? Like, I do the whole subscribe and these type of things because maybe everybody just needs a reminder at the end. So I go, Hey guys, if you've been watching this channel and it's been very helpful for you and you know, you haven't subscribed, please subscribe, hit the like button and you know, all of that goofy stuff. But other than that, like I'm not your typical, like, what's up guys. All right. We're going to, you know, it's just not my personality. <laughs> and I, and I kind of feel like weird when I watch videos like that, because I don't even think those are like real people's person. It just comes out so fake. Like, and I think one of the reasons why people like me for my content and the comments I get is like, you're so real or you're just like so chill or, you know what I mean? Like I just go out there, I teach what I got to teach. I say what I got to say. And it's like, not like blown out. Like I'm not this weird Nickelodeon character, like, you know, being all weird and crazy and loud. And you know what I mean? Like right. I just do me. And, and then as my channel grows, I think again, it's, it's just going to be more of a, channel that's just going to be teaching and great content it's like its own cable tv channel like yeah, all, it's, all, it's, it's like mtv that. but miran dance exactly and <laughs> and and eventually i might have other characters who are like that that might you know we might do like just a bunch of episodic shows on them and it might be very kid friendly or it might be just for kids or things something like that but i'm not going to go and be that person if i'm not that person i'm not going to try to you know, be all this high energy character when I know that's not me because then I have to keep up with that persona and that's not me. I don't want to be faking something, you know what I mean? So um, I'll bring in somebody with that persona and we'll create a specific little content for, for that type of an audience. And if they want to watch it, they can. Like, for example, I managed this seven-year-old uh, girl who does like uh, covers and we've been doing like a whole bunch of like uh, cover songs with her. Uh, she does like rap covers of like cardi b and this and that like and she's been like kind of blowing up on my channel on her own which later on i will create a channel for her on her own where she will like teach stuff and create slime and do all these like you know what i mean <laughs> and she loves that you know what i mean and i i don't know if that would live on my channel because that's not what my audience are there for but right. i'll create a channel for her you know so I also have things like that in mind that we're going to do along with my production and along with everything we're doing and create channels for other like talented, you know, individuals and create content for them, for their channels and, and we'll help them grow their channel. You know, it sounds like your TV background, like your commercial background really, really helped you take off so fast. Cause you totally, you understood the commercialization of it. Um, from the outset, right? You looked at it as like, hey, this is the new TV and coming at exactly. it with the content. And I think one of the most important lessons that I would tell anyone who wants to try a YouTube channel is to be yourself, right? You and that, that's true in all of business. The more yourself you are, the more confidence you'll have, right? I teach a whole thing to my clients. I call it confidence in your competence, right? So many yeah. people are out there, you know, suffering from imposter syndrome and the antidote is confidence yeah. in your competence. And when you're trying to be someone you're not, it's impossible. Cause it's not really who you are. You exactly. can't be confident in something that you're not. 
Yep. Knows. Um, so what about on the technical side? Like, are there any technical, like you mentioned tagging? And when we did our research, we found a whole bunch of technical stuff. I'm curious, like you sounds like you came from this place, like you didn't have a strategy, you didn't all that stuff and it really worked. How important are all those technicalities that people teach? The tagging, the thumbnails, the SEO terms, the title of the thing, the, the words you put in the summary. You know, they teach us like, this is critical if you want to do anything. Um, like I said, like, I don't really follow any of those things. Um, I, I mean, I try to make good thumbnails. Um, I don't make any crazy, like clickbait type of stuff because I, I don't, clickbait. yeah, like, I'm mad. Uh, yeah, I, I just, I, I don't get too crazy about the titles. I just title it, whatever the video is. I'm sure I might be able to get more views if I trick titled it something like, instead of writing, like, learn how to do the moonwalk, if I titled it, the best way to learn moonwalk in the world. <laughs> if I titled it, you know what I mean? Like, if I titled it like that, moonwalk, maybe I'm- the comprehensive tutorial, yeah. 2019. I don't know, you know, exactly. Like, people <laughs> write stuff like that and they get views, but at the end of the day, I'm always thinking about the long-term brand. So if somebody clicks on something and the video is garbage, I mean, the second time and the third time, eventually they're not going to click on it and they're not going to come to your channel. For so sure. For and me, they'll try to block your content and they'll click the don't show me things from this guy. Exactly. So for me, like I said, the most important thing is create some good content, have something to teach or be entertaining and you're good. That's it. Like if you could do those things, the rest, the people will come for, for that. They're not coming in for the title and they're not coming in for the thumbnail. You know what I mean? Those are just ways to attract maybe new audience to click on your channel. But again, if they click on it and it's not what you said it was, then it what's the help. point? Like I've clicked on stuff where it said the best dance video in the world. You know, I'm like, damn, I'm really interested to see, you know, I'm a dancer. I've seen a lot of dance videos, so I gotta see what it is. And it's some guy dancing in his garage, you know? And I'm like, <laughs> okay. And like, all right, so where does that take me? You know what I mean? Like, okay, we're on to the next thing, you know? So yeah, okay, maybe he got a million views doing that, but. That's the only he doesn't million. get any loyalty. There's no yeah, loyalty That's there. the only million views he's going to get in his whole life if that's his strategy, <laughs> you know? So for, sure. you know, for me, I'm really not into that, but I'm sure there's more to it. And I'm, I'll, 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 eventually I'm going to hire a team who understands a little bit more of the inside stuff of like maybe the, the, the right way of tagging or like, um, like, um, getting people to like come to, I don't know. And like you said, there's a whole bunch of stuff. Like I said, like, I'm so clueless about it. I can't even tell you about it. I have no idea. Well, I love that you've been so, it, yeah. I, I feel so much better that you've been so successful without it. Cause when we did our research, it looked like it came out that it was so complex to kind of do this, that I was like, this is not worth the energy of me or my team right now. Cause yeah. it, it sounded like to do it and to do it properly, you have to do so much. And you're like, no, be yourself, put out good content it's going to get found. So the truth is somewhere on that spectrum. <laughs> yeah. But, but I feel better knowing that like, yeah. And I, and I always believe that to be true, by the way. And my other social media is only taken off from a place of content. And I believe in hacking the algorithm everywhere. So I like to always try and understand what is working, but it's always changing. And so if you're only yeah, exactly. about hacking the algorithm, you never will have consistent success. But if you're about the content and the audience and that loyalty, whatever you're doing, you'll be successful. And you can shift your audiences across platforms, whereas it's all algorithm based. You are locked into that one place at that one moment in time where that's how they run. Yeah, I mean, exactly. And, and for me, like now what, what I'm, I'm starting to wanting to do more, which I haven't done, like all of my YouTube audience has been organic. And now I'm starting to like consider maybe now that I have the business, I'm starting to consider to run ads. 
because I'm like, okay, if I'm going to spend all that time trying to figure out all those inside stuff, I'd rather just spend money on ads and just target the people that I want to target. And if they like my content, then they're going to subscribe and they're going to follow and I'm going to reach a, a new audience, you know? For sure. And so, if you target locally, because you can target based exactly. on- so that's, Exactly. You get them into the studio. Exactly. So that's something that I'm going to be starting to try in the next month or two once my place is fully open and, and we're ready to like rock and roll that's stuff I'm going to try because I know like watching a lot of the, the motivational speakers and all of that, I noticed that's what they do. And I get a lot of my, my ideas from them as well. Like, you know, I watch a lot of motivational stuff on YouTube. So every time I watch anything on YouTube, the next ad is some other motivational video ad or something, or some guy promoting his channel or promoting his program or promoting something, you know? So For sure, like, who watches YouTube videos? people who watch YouTube videos. So exactly. the best way to get traffic to your channel is by advertising on other channels that are similar. Yeah. And I've seen, and I've seen other um, up and coming dancers uh, promote their channels and run ads for their channels because I was watching my own videos and their ads were running on right. my they're, channel. They're piggybacking on your channel. Yeah. <laughs> and I go to their channel and they only have like 20,000 subscribers. I'm like, okay, so they're trying to figure out how to get an audience with running ads. But and then I watch the content and it's not good. And I'm like, okay, well, there's only so far they could go, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So now that it, it clicks, I'm like, okay, so I know my content is good. I know I've already reached 1.5 million people organically. Organically, which is so how much can I reach if I start running ads on my channel and targeting other oh, audiences? You're going to hit 10 million within the year. I have no doubt. Hey, listen, if, if I try it and it works and you know me, I'm putting all my money that's how I teach marketing right, budget, right? So, yep. so many people say like, what's your marketing budget, right? So conventional wisdom is a 10% of revenue is, is mm -hmm. kind of like where you people play with. I said, but your marketing budget should be an ATM machine, right? If I said to you, listen, every dollar you hand me, I'll hand you a 10. Let's go hang out. And every time you hand me a dollar, I'll hand you 10. Do you have a budget of dollars you're going to hand me? Exactly. No, yeah. Not at all. You shouldn't, yeah, right? Exactly. That's what your marketing budget should look like. So you try it and it works. You're going to hit the 10 mil. I believe it. And another uh, way to see, and yeah. another way to see it is, for example, like I monetize all my videos. So imagine I do ads, let's say just in America at a specific states or specific cities. And all of a sudden I get all these new people coming in and watching my, my videos on in America. And all of a sudden my monetization jumps from a couple of thousand dollars to like 10, 20, 30, 40. Of course I'm going to go even harder. Cause now I know if I invest a thousand dollars on ads, I'm getting 10,000 off of monetization. I mean, That's it's going to be exactly a no-brainer, you know? And then a certain percentage of those try. will bring more business deals. Exactly. Into the, exactly. Studio, the calls and, are totally. And, and I have done none of that. And, and I think it's time to do it, you know? It's and, totally time. Yeah. <laughs> and the, I saw something recently. I think they're starting paid channels. Yeah, I mean, there's other ways I can make revenue off of my channels. I just haven't had the time to invest time in them. I want you um, to do. I want you to do this. Thing. I, I was telling you right before we started that I started taking this exercise. So a friend of mine went to a local studio. It's this like hip hop Zumba, and the the point is exercising. Like that is the goal, right? It's the same way you go to a Zumba class to exercise. So you go to it's called Plyo Jam. You do it to exercise, and the structure of the class obviously different. You told me you had tried them once. What they've created beyond their local studios is a portal, a paid portal where you pay a subscriber fee and they put up new videos every week. You're mm -hmm. already on YouTube. You already have the subscribers. Mm -hmm. You could just have a paid channel that's a workout channel where people come in, there's new video every week, exercise. This is the future. I have no oh, yeah, for sure. question. And 100%. you could monetize that probably within a month bigger than almost any other studio could. 
No, for sure. I, I listen. I want to see point, it. I want to hear about it when you do. At it. this point, it's just been <laughs> it's just been lack of time. Like I barely sleep like five six hours a day, and oh I'm, I'm trying to get that in. And now that we open doors um, to the studio, and it's not even fully open. I, all I really did was just move my ongoing classes into my studio because we're still doing construction. Where were they? Well, I was teaching. I was teaching at a two other studios that I was okay. paying rent. So, ah, got it. So you just moved your audience. Yeah, I was like, I don't want to be paying rent in three places now, and you know what I mean. So I was like, let me just. My big room was ready, and I was like, let me just move my ongoing classes into my big room while we finish up the other room and finish up the lounge and get all of those things sorted. So that's all I did. So at this point, I'm just getting my ongoing classes going until I get the whole place ready the way I like it, and then in the next month and a half. Uh, you know, I'll start doing, you know, um, ads for, you know, the, the location and, and shooting some cool dance videos and uh, run. I wanted to have this cool concept that I want to do like a cool little dance commercial in my place where you get to see the whole location through a dance. So, cool. yeah. so we're going to do something cool like that. But yeah, I mean, everything's in the works. I mean, we'll chat maybe um, towards the end of the year and then and we'll see where that we're at now. It'll be exciting. So that kind of leads us into like that current struggle of like, now, like you've seen so much success with it, you've had such a strong professional journey. Like, it, maybe I, I didn't hear, but it sounded like the current struggle is just lack of time. Like, there's so many things to do. There's so much opportunity. Is it something else, or is that like where's? The I mean, it's everything. I mean, you're always learning. You're always making mistakes. You're always trying. You know, for me, I'm always trying things. I'm always trying to learn something. I'm always trying to do more. So with all of that, you know, by taking different risks and like this, having my own studio and having this. Uh, rent that I this new rent that I have to pay was is more than I've ever paid in my life and things like jumping into those big like steps you know I mean you know before I was very fearful of like doing things like that I, I like the convenience of like teaching at a different place where I had no responsibilities and I just go get paid for my class and I'm done and they pay rent and they worry about electricity they pay about city rules and this and that like millions of things that you don't really think about you know um, but now as you know, as you're growing your brand and you're doing things, you're like, okay, if you want to grow, you have to take all these new risks. And with all these risks come all these stuff that you're not ready for, but you're never ready for them. So it's, you know, for me, it's like, okay, we do it. Another obstacle comes in the way. You have to figure it out and then move to the next thing. And then you have to figure it out. So at this point is it comes down to like, you know, are you willing to take the risks? Are you willing to take, all the obstacles that are going to come to your way or do you just like a, a chill relaxed life and you don't care about that and, and you're okay and, and you're fine with it if that's you and and you're cool where you're at then cool stay where you're at but you can't complain about all the things you don't have and all the things you dreamed about because you're not taking the risks to get them you know so for uh -huh. me it's like every day is a struggle everything every day i'm learning stuff you know the, there's days i wake up this last 10 days i freaking had headaches every single morning and i didn't know where it was i was like every day I was like having these headaches and at the same time I still have four or five classes to teach that day and then I have to you know run all these uh errands and then I, I had to figure out what or get a vending machine for my place and then <laughs> I had to figure out you know we're gonna do merch now and we had to go through like five six different merch people to figure out which one our merch was and we just got our merch yesterday but they forgot to print yeah, but merch, guys, merchandise. It's yes, a, exactly. The but and then they forgot. What'd you get? What'd you get? Well, we did t-shirts and hoodies and things okay. like that. But again, even with that, like you got, you know, we got a specific size that is not what I wanted, and it's like way wider than the kid size that I asked for. Now I got to take that back so they could do it again. And then on the hoodies, they forgot to do the bottom logo, so we have to take that back. 
So it's just, I don't know, it's just ongoing. All those little just, things, the constant. Yes. Do you want to deal with all of that? If you do, this is what you go through. And if you don't, then you don't, you know? But for me, it's like, like I said, everything is just on to the next thing, on to the next thing. So that you really got to be ready for like, you have to have a lot of patience to go through all of that, you know? And eventually we'll come to a place where we'll, we'll hire people to do this department. Yeah, I was going to say, a, I feel like you're the same way, you know, you, you're never ready to move into your location until you just do it. I exactly. feel like you really need more help at this point. Like it's yeah. the same thing as the ads. Um, staffing either gives you back money or peace of mind when you do it right, typically both. You know, you're at the point where if you freed up your time, you could totally earn more money with it. Yeah, and um, uh, and I think right now what we're doing is this first month, month and a half as we're going, whereas we're in construction, where you know I have a I have a team and um, uh, it's about like three of us that really work hardcore. One of them, one of my guys who was working with me, he had to go back to Ireland, so we're uh, he's from Ireland. <laughs> uh, he's gonna try to come back. We were having some visa issues with him, so that's been kind of hard because we're trying to like do the business, and he's like helping me with content, and then like we're doing it all through computer and sending files back and forth and stuff like that. But once he's back, I think in a in a month and a half, once the business is ready and we're operating, I think we'll come up with a new strategy, and then from there, it's like really you know distributing the time you know, exactly the way it needs to be between us and then figure out what places we need more help in and then start bringing in more people to help us with those things and make sure that, you know, the business is making enough money where we could pay, you know, all these people who are coming in and, and making sure it's good. So we're in the beginning process of a lot of things, but I mean, it's all fun and exciting. All good things. It sounds exactly like, like, you know, this is what I want to do. This is so. that, that one to two. I say business goes kind of in three stages, right? There's zero to one, one to two, two to three. Mm -hmm. um, zero to one is like, can this thing make money? Right. And that's like, exactly. and, and some people never get out of there, by the way, like they dabble, they make some money, they don't, and they never really, really leave that dabbler phase. But if it works, then you get to one to two and that's like, you know, an extended phase. I call it stability, right? That's where you think, is this thing stable? Can I take a regular yeah. salary from it? Can it grow? Can I start delegating, creating roles for the partner? So the first step is always marketing in there. That's kind of the first half. And then the second piece is the systems. Right. So you figured out the marketing, you've got the crowd, you've got the audience and it's still growing and it's working and you got to kind of systemize the marketing also. And then getting that staffing down. Yes. Once you hit that, you hit stable, you're going to tip and you're going to see scale. That's I think, I think so too. And I think that's exactly where I'm at now because I've done a lot, a lot of stuff, like a lot of the stuff that we talked about, I've done already, but I've always done it in like in, in sections and in different parts. Now the whole goal for this place that we were getting, and we've been wanting to get this place for like seven, eight months now, and we finally got the perfect location. It was like, okay, how do we bring all of this into one place? Exactly. We're based out of one place. We shoot at one place. We teach at one place. We have our merch in one place. It gets shipped from one place, like everything in one place. And this is where it is now. So this next two, three months is going to be the hardest months of all getting everything sorted out. But like you said, once it starts rolling it's and then it's going to take exactly. off. And that's, that's why I said, let's talk at the end of the year and we'll, I'm and so, we'll uh, yeah, you're, we'll I'm see how we're back. at. You know what I mean? I'm super excited. So Miran, this has been absolutely amazing. You are so much fun to talk to. I love your passion. I love your energy. I love, I love your drive. Thank right? you. <clears throat> you are a winner who never quits. So um, where can people find you? Um, well, definitely you can find me on my YouTube channel. It's simple. It's uh, youtube.com Miran TV. That's M I H R A N TV. 
Um, I'm also on Instagram, um, fully on Instagram all the time. You could probably DM me. I get quicker to people on my DM. So that's Miran K, M-I-H-R-A-N-K. Um, and um, at this point, if they want to know more information about my classes and things like that, they could go to MiranKClasses.com and they'll find more information there. But yeah, I'm not that easy to find. I mean, I'm not that hard to find and probably the only Miran that you guys will really come to so uh yeah just put m-i-h-r-a-n-k and you guys will find me and um love to um yeah see you with some new people here and help you guys out and let's get this going amazing so guys we'll put all of those links at sdran.com slash 58 that's sdran.com slash 58 and you can find Miran oh obviously on youtube and he's got very cool videos and tutorials for even if you don't have two left feet even if you've got you know a right and a left it's really awesome stuff yes and well uh, oh, yes I was gonna say, hey, the three simple moves. Oh, <laughs> I mean, that's that's, that's the video. We're that's the video. If you feel like you've never danced before and you need a basic video, start with that and it'll change your life. Love it. I'm I'm gonna go right there right after this. Go dance in my office. Um, so it. guys, for all of you listening, I know you're already subscribed. Like, if there's some like weird chance that you're not, um, right now, like subscribe right now. Um, but what I want these days are your reviews, and I'm really loving watching them. Come in. Tell me what you love. Tell me what you love more. I need to hear from you. I know you're listening. I love your feedback. I love when you reach out to me on social. I want iTunes to know how much you love this show too. So just stop what you're doing right now. If you're driving on the highway, pull over to the shoulder. If you're in the middle of washing dishes, go dry your hands. I don't care what. If you're running, just you know, take a breather. Stop what you're doing. Click into iTunes. Leave me a review. Tell me what you love and tell me what you love more. And we will catch you next week. Miran, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been a blast. I appreciate it. You've been listening to the Business Breakthrough Podcast with SD Rand. If you're looking for a breakthrough in your business, reach out at sdrand.com slash breakthrough to be a guest on the show. Everyone's got a business struggle. What's yours?